What's better, guys? It's time. It's time. Time again. Welcome to another episode of my podcast this week with your homegirl. Here I try to define relationships righteously and juxtapose it and lay it side by side. And today I just want to talk about this thought around this subject and orbit around it for a while. Spiritual drought. Spiritual funk. Whatever it is you want to call it. When God is silent, what do you do? Hmm. You know, this is actually a subject that a lot of us have issues with. I mean, let's be real. I served God. I put, I put in all, all, all that I have, all that I had. My love for Him, I've confessed it in front of the world. My passion, my loyalty, my fire. But then... When he begins to train you, when he begins to say, oh, I want to train you like a soldier. I I don't just want you to be um, a yes, a sweet Christian. You know, you know, it's an oxymoron really, but we were actually called to be salt and not sugar. Okay. And the truth is the church today, which is my main concern is training a generation of believers that only believes in, uh, that can only take blessings and can't take the tests. Believers, soldiers, they cannot play the ropes. And it's only the yes. And preachers won't tell you out there that, oh, God is not always the God of the yes. And that's something that I would, like, I would love to talk to everyone listening to me under the sound of my voice today. God is not always the God of the yes times, guys. To be honest with you, God is not always the God of the yes Sometimes, most of the time, or let me say sometimes, he'll tell you no. So what do you do when the God you've been serving, the one who you profess to love, and you actually do love him, what do you do when he's so silent on you? He's not saying anything. I don't know if anyone listening to me has ever been there. You've been there at that point where when he speaks to you, Oh my, it's like, it's like you just received a love letter. But the moments when you can't hear from him, it's like the whole world is just crashing in on you. So today I want to talk about that briefly. And I want to say that, um, I want to quote from the scripture here, John 15 verses 11 that says, These things have I said or spoken unto you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And I'm going to touch on the difference between joy and happiness here. Because I feel culture is just, culture like light to us, y'all. Let's be real. Culture light to us. I mean, happiness happens. I'm going to get there in a minute. I'm going to get there. And joy is totally different. Joy is actually something more supernatural. But now, before we get there, What do you do when God is silent? Hmm. God may be silent, but he's not absent. I tell people, do not put God weight on people. Oh, they said they'll never leave me. They're not God. He said he'll always be by my side. He's not God. Um, I mean, he's my G. She promised me. She's my girl. She's my babe. She always said she'll be there for me a hundred sis bro for real he she they are not god stop with stop putting god weight on people i'm not saying that 
you shouldn't be a man or woman of your word. But I'm saying, like one of my sisters would say, last, last, not human beings would be. And that's, that, that's the real deal. We all have that moment where we just go down. No matter how loyal, honest, sincere, I've got that integrity gene in me. Sometimes when life crashes and when life just, you know, throws me here and there, and that's why it's good to have a foundation. Because when you don't have a, a foundation, something solid you're standing on, you'd fall. But then, the difference between a kingdom man and a woman and a culture man and woman is, even when things are going on in your life, you might bend. In fact, you might do a matrix dance. <laughs> you know, but really, you won't fall. Because those trials, those temptations, and whatever it is you're going through, they make your roots sink deeper into the one who you're serving. So what do you do, once again, when God is silent on you? I said God may be silent, but he's not absent. And there are times we earnestly seek God, and in return, all we actually sense is silence. What do we do then? I want to draw from the words of Megan Finnegan. This was in 2016. And she said she happened to be in a theology class once. And the professor in charge said something striking that totally changed how she viewed her faith life. And just so you know, she happened to be someone who at that point, at the time in her life, she was going through a lot of stuff things that she could not understand and I just decided to draw from her today a few of her words. The professor said, there are two types of faces we can experience in our spiritual journeys. The first face is the consolation face. This is where we hear God speaking to us and we see his hands and his works clearly in our lives. In this face, we easily experience peace and joy you know, or let me say peace and happiness or joy, whichever way you want to put it. Things seem easy. Things seem very easy in this phase. But I would always say that one of the heartbreaking things, you want to talk about heartbreak? Ask a believer who has served God. Ask Abraham. Ask David. Ask Daniel. Ask the patriarchs and the matriarchs of old who have walked with God to a reasonable level. And when he just goes silent, like a lover goes silent on you, ask them what they would have done. Ask them how heartbroken they would have been. That is what I call a heartbreak. That's the definition of a heartbreak. You know, and the professor said the second face is a desolation face. This is when it's difficult to hear or see God's word. It's there. It's laying there. You can't see his word or his works in your life. Here we often feel anxiety, sadness, mistrust in these times. You know the hardest thing about waiting on God? You've been waiting all along, a year, two years, three years. It's doubting. You begin to doubt. Oh, will he really keep his promise? I mean, he said this, he said that. Are you sure it's going to come through? That's one of the hardest things. And so this professor here is saying that, the second face, the desolation face, is the hardest face. It's that spiritual drought face. It's that place where you feel that funk and you're like, whoa, where do I go from here? 
How many people have ever been there where you take two steps forward and it seems like you just you just took five steps backward? You know, anyone listening to me is, who has been there knows that that's a very difficult place to be in. But in all, I'm gonna get there. He's still good. He's still so good. So, so good. In the midst of his trials, in the midst of everything. He still wants you to see. He still wants to see whether you're still going to trust him. You're still going to hold on to him. He wants you to see him as the come through God. The one who's going to see it through for you. And so, furthermore, I would also like to say that. With the aforementioned things I've mentioned about the faces. I would love to quickly explain the difference between happiness and joy. Because culture has fooled us all. And I thank God for God. I thank God for Jesus. Because um, happiness and joy are two sides of a coin. Let me just put it that way. The difference between happiness and joy, I feel, has been misinterpreted strongly for us all. Happiness happens, guys. Happiness is like, the root word for happiness is happen. So when you're happy most of the time, Please check out what makes you happy or what is making you happy. Why are you tripping, bro? Why are you tripping, sis? Why are you so excited? What's making you happy? Check it out every single day. What is that thing that is making you happy? Is it because you have stuff? You have clothes, you have cars, you have the auto, you have everything, you have a little um, cash in your account. What is making you happy? Because that is not joy. And that's not deep. That's just momentary. And so, happiness happens. And that's why the opposite of happiness is sadness. The basal root word of happiness is happen. Meaning when you are happy, most of the time it's based on the suitable happenings around you. And when things go south, oh my. Humans don't like that, leaving that comfy zone. When things go south... You go sad and that's why sadness is the opposite of happiness, just like I earlier mentioned. And the Hebrew word for happiness, the definition in the Hebrew Hebrew, is the emotion of joy. Please pay attention. Now, the Hebrew is defining happiness. The Jews are defining happiness. The Hebrew dictionary is defining happiness as an emotion of joy, but a momentary state of elation positive energy a momentary state of elation or positive energy pay attention to those words they call it joy but the momentary state i don't want that type you know i'm just saying then there is the joy of the long term the joy in the face of affliction The joy in the face of tribulations. The joy in the face of that drought, that funk. That joy in the face of death. Not happiness, joy. You know, and they say that there's that joy of the long term. A less elated joy. But more constant states of happiness and contentment. I'm going to say that again. There is the joy of the long term, a less elated but more constant state of happiness 
You see, constant state of happiness and contentment. Where, where would all that come from? From this world? Well, I don't know. I just feel well then into different, thing, different things. If, if stuff makes you happy, I mean, that's good, but not too good because that's risky. I'm going to give you the story of Job. That's why for a while in all my podcasts, I've been emphasizing and I would not stop until someone sees that. There is power in identifying who you are. All right. I'll, I'll touch that just, just a moment. Now, Jewish teachings, Jewish teachings stress the importance of joy and not happiness. Joy belongs to the realm of the supernatural and not the physical. And Paul, in the Bible, in the Word, speaks of his joy in the midst of his afflictions. Is that not crazy? It is a happiness. Amen. Peter, Peter and John, when they were scourged by the Jews, in the Word, in the Bible, they still found joy. And the Lord Jesus Christ did the same thing. Because of the cross, he, because of the joy he had seen, not happiness, guys. He endured the cross. Do you know what it meant to endure a cross? For the joy, not for their happiness. That's deep. That's really deep. You know, and we have so many people like that. If you have a Bible, you can check the meaning of joy. You can you can do that research on your own. Try to find the difference between joy and happiness. And pay attention to the words, to the synonyms. Pay attention to it. Because I feel the culture has lied to us, y'all. They lied big time. You know, and joy comes from continuous fellowship with Jesus, even in the face of tribulations. And I add, even in the face of death, joy is that satisfactory feeling, that feeling of contentment, that feeling of um, that satisfactory feeling that a believer has towards his Lord. In the face of problem, in the face of life, in the face of situations, in the face of everything life will throw at you, there's that joy there. Now, all right, how does this tie into spiritual drought? My next question, after explaining all this and defining what joy and happiness is separately, is it possible for a person to stay joyful when God is silent? That's a hard one. That's a tough one, guys, to be real. Is it possible for you to stay joyful, not happy, joyful when God is silent? That's a real tough one. But I feel that it's a training ground. And personally, as a Christian, when you're in a training ground, most of the time, you might not know. Most of the time, when God is training his children, most of us usually do not know. And that's why I believe that the word says that if you check the patriarchs and the metrics of old, their stories were written as examples for us. So we can so we can read and not just read but apply. Because when God is training you, as a believer, as a baby Christian, as a toddler, as a father, 
Uh, so whatever stage you are in, in, in that growth, when he's training you, you will not stay long in that wilderness or desert when you recognize and you've learned what you want you to learn out of that problem. Because I feel that God is an intentional God. And I think in my last podcast or the last two podcasts I did, I was talking about God being a God of intentionality and not a God of mistake. So when you are going through, he wants to see, he wants you to see him as a God of come through. I'm going to come through for you, even though you're going through. All right. So, and if he's an intentional God and he puts you in the wilderness, you have to know that he's going to create a way in that desert, that wilderness. However, if you've not learned what he wants you to learn, trust me, you're going to be there. I speak by experience, in my humble opinion. And when God is silent, it's a really, really tough stage for any believer. I mean, any true believer. Because if you've ever had a relationship with him, when he goes silent, it's like your world is crashing. Ask Abraham. For 13 good years, Abraham did not hear from God. No communication, nothing. Ask Job, in the book of Job. If Job knew, only if Job knew, and most of us do not know that every time there is a contest going on between God and the enemy over us. If only Job knew that there was a contest going on between God and his enemy over him, whether your fire would go out, like I asked in my last podcast, your fire, your passion for me, your love, your patience, your loyalty, will everything go out in the face of your tribulation, in the face of God being silent? That was what happened to Job. But you know what saved him there? Job recognized who he was. Not really entirely though, because in Job 38, you can go and check that out. God had to tell him, God had to speak after a moment of silence. I mean, from Job 1 to Job 38, that's a long time. And when he eventually spoke, God told him, who is this? Those words scare me personally. After he had said so many things, he didn't know what he had done. He didn't know how to go about this. He didn't know how to to, uh, navigate this path. He had no guide. He felt the heavens were sealed. And the Lord spoke to Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Amen. Gird up thy loins now like a man, Job. I would, and you would answer me. Because I'm going to ask you some questions. And for the next few chapters, the Lord was speaking to Job. So ask these patriarchs what silence means. It's difficult, but it's needed. Because whoever God does not train is illegitimate. Now, I'm not talking from my head. I'm talking Bible. This is word. He only trains sons. And I always say, like I tell people, not everybody's God's child. Yeah, I know I said that out. I know that a lot of people listening to me right now, anyone listening to me will be like, what? What did she just say? Just give it time. Just give it time. 
He created all, but he's not the father of all. If he's the father of all, why would Jesus, why would God in flesh Jesus Christ tell the Pharisees, you have your father the devil? Oh, but he created all and all life comes from him. Why would he say that? Why would he tell them, you have your father the devil, he was a murderer, a deceiver from the beginning and his works you're doing? Guys, let's be real. He only trains true sons. So sometimes, even after, like a a, a, a very um, powerful and really inspiring man of God said something once, he said, after a man's salvation, the next thing is his trial. It's a privilege to be tested and tried by God. Trust me, guys. The day I heard this, I went. <laughs> I just passed out. Like, dang, for real? It's a privilege to be tested and tried by him. So, in addition, I would just like to say that everyone at some point in time will hit and go through a spiritual desolation. Everybody. Everyone. Abraham couldn't hear from God like I told you guys in 13 years. And his faith grew stronger. Amen. Sometimes I see him as a superhero. Like a real superhero. He couldn't hear from God. No communication at all. For 13 good years. After God had promised him. What he had promised him. And his faith grew stronger. Now he wasn't super superman like that. Because there were times he actually questioned. But God the one who searcheth the heart. And the reins of the hearts of every man. The one who weighs the spirit looked down into the heart of Abraham and saw that this man, this son of mine believes me. He's just weak. That's just the condition. Not that he doesn't, he does not believe. He does believe, but he's just weak. I mean, that's part of what we inherited from the fall. You know, and I just want to mention a few things here in conclusion to learn in the season of the spiritual funk things to learn in this season the first thing is discovering new opportunities to pray if you want to meditate if you want to self-evaluate if you want to take inventory it's important to take inventory inventory of your life every time seek new opportunities try new ways to pray you might have been trying a particular way to pray and it's not been drawing you closer to god let's not deceive ourselves sometimes we ask a miss we just pray and i would always say that prayer is not a monologue prayer is a dialogue and then, and until it becomes a dialogue it's not prayer there's no relationship there there's no intimacy there the next thing is The next point here is the season of the spiritual drought is the perfect time to know God's heart through the scriptures. I say God speaks every time. The fact that he's quiet, he's absent, does not mean he's not there, he's not present. So when he said, I will never leave you or forsake you, he wasn't just talking. Because I believe for every moment Christ opened his mouth to speak, he was intentional and he wasn't joking. He made a statement of fact. I'll always be there. So even when you're, I am, you can't hear me, you can't reach me, I'm actually there. 
my presence is there. I'm just doing this to encourage someone out there. In that season of spiritual drought, you think all hope is lost. Trust me, all hope is not lost. The fact that you're alive listening to me right now is intentional. It means that God is not done with you just yet. And so the next thing is worship. Worship. Worthship. Praise Him. Because worship is not just worship. Worship comes or is tied to the word worthship. So when you worship God, He shows you your worth. And when someone is trying to reduce your worth, it doesn't make it doesn't even move you at all. Worship Him. Praise Him because it's in the moments when things are really, really difficult that worship and praise actually become a sacrifice. And I told someone sometime, I think I realized this personally, that you're worshiping God while you're sad has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with your sadness. While you're sad, you're meant to worship. While you're down, you're meant to worship because he deserves worship. All right, so your mood doesn't have anything to do with the worship. In fact, that is when it becomes a sacrifice. You know, and I I just want to quickly read from somewhere, read something here for you guys. Worship is acknowledging deity to express worthship, W-O-R-T-H-S-H-I-P, to express worthship. It's like an inward well, but the devil wants to damn our well because we're going to need that reservoir when we hit the dry place. Those words, I quoted them from Jerry Flowers, one of my mentors. The devil knows that that is so important and he always loves to take what God, what God deserves. And that's why that is so important. When you're moody, worship. When you're depressed, try worship. Try praising him. The fact that you're alive, I mean, the fact that you can say I'm moody, I'm depressed, is because you're alive. For real, for real. So try worship. Try praise. The next thing here is, because when you worship, it reveals your worth. And in revealing your worth, it reveals your assignment. In revealing your assignment, it reveals your identity. The next thing you should try in this, in this um, um, time of drought is, God, I think, loves testing us. And one of the things he loves to test is your love level, your patience level, and how long you can hold on for. When things come easy, we do not value it as human beings. And that's the real deal. Sometimes the silence is actually needed so we can value the encounters that we've had with him. And the next point here is rest in the silence. When God is silent, actually rest. Rest in that silence. Because after the silence is a bustle of activities. He just wants you to rest. Rest in that silence. Seek his face. That intimacy is always wanted to have with you. Try to have it with him. And the last point here is pursue God and speak his love language. He loves worship. He loves praise. A real relationship is a two-way street. And that's the way God is. God wants to be loved. 
He wants to be loved back. Pursue the greatest pursuer of your heart. Pursue the heavenly lover. He had already done a lot by coming after you. I mean, you know that song, I'll forever be chasing after you. I'll be chasing after you. He's already done that. Pursue him. I'll forever be chasing after you. Chase him too. A real relationship deserves and involves a lot of hard work. And he wants you to love him back. He wants you to like pursue him too. I want to see my daughter tell me, Father, I love you. I want to see my son tell me, you know what? I adore you. I cherish you. I can't do life without you. Without you, I won't be here. He wants to hear that. He wants to, he wants to hear that. And when you worship him, you're invoking his presence. He can't stay still. Check the history of God with his people. When they begin to worship him because you, they speak his love language, he doesn't know how to stay still when the right love language is being spoken to him. And I'll just like to say this to someone listening to me, that life is a battlefield. Everything will be tested. So when God is silent, what do you do? Don't let your fire burn out. Don't have a spiritual burnout. Don't let your love go out. Just keep holding on. It's difficult, but talk to God. If you need to vent, vent. Well, guys, this is to your homegirl saying bye from this side. If you want to get to me, you can always get to me. And I hope that I've been able to encourage um, everyone listening to me and under the sound of my voice. Have a splendid week. Bye.